Hello and welcome to Tech Talk. I'm your host today, Amar Bhatkhande, Technology and Life Sciences West Coast Practice Leader at Eisner Amper. And with me today is a very accomplished personality, Dr. Dipti Desai, an entrepreneur, funder, researcher, connector, mentor, educator, and of course, a friend. Today, you'll get to hear firsthand from Dipti about her journey as an entrepreneur and a venture capital investor. What you hear today may give you a different perspective and influence, influence your new, next business decision. Dipti, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me today. So I don't steal your thunder. Please tell li our listeners a little more about yourself. First of all, thank you, Amar. Thank you for inviting me to your podcast. It's a great honor to be here with you. People often call me Doc or Dr. Dipti Desai, the triple alliteration. But just so your listeners know, I'm not the kind of doctor that fixes people. I'm not an MD or doctor of medicine. I have a PhD, a doctor of philosophy. I'm the kind of doctor that invents stuff or comes up with innovative ways of doing things. That's me. So if I were to give a brief introduction of myself, I often tell people that I'm a tinkerer, a scientist, an experimenter, and that there are three major areas that define me, that I am passionate about, that grab my attention. And those are healthcare, technological innovations, and US-India interactions. I just love working at the intersection of these, and that's what I live for. Very well said, doctor. As long as you fix things, whether it is people or technology or bilateral relationships, that's always helpful. Since you have outlined your passion so nicely, it is only logical for me to ask my next few questions related to your passions. Let's start with healthcare, as that seems to be a theme that's woven throughout your many roles and interests. What originally drew you to healthcare industry and what continues to drive your interest? Yeah, so as far back as I can remember, I always enjoyed doing experiments, figuring out stuff. And the biological world, Amar, and the human body is filled with incredibly tiny machines that work tirelessly like clockwork. And I always wanted to figure out what made them tick, what caused them to falter. So naturally, I came to the USA many, many years ago to do my PhD, and I studied at UCSF Med Center in San Francisco, where I worked on cancer research and cell cycle regulation. And the idea was to figure out the signals that cause cells to grow and multiply and those signals that cause them to grow without stopping, like in cancer. So if we could figure out what controls growth, we can then better understand unregulated growth or cancer. Following that, I had my postdoc work at Stanford, where instead of studying what is happening in the cell painstakingly one gene at a time, like I was doing for my PhD, we decided that would be more efficient to look at all of the genes, about 100,000 or so, at one go. To do this, we had to do multidisciplinary approach, which means we had to marry biology and technology and engineering to create an array of the genome. And, you know, Stanford's really good at that, right? Google came out of there. And compare the regulatory profiles of normal cells and abnormal cells and identify those that are upregulated, downregulated, and so on. And so therefore identify normal from abnormal. Now this technology that was developed at Stanford became such a powerful technology that many companies were formed around it and they became 
uh, and became the technology company that adopted this particular platform at its core. Sintony that was acquired by Insight, Affymetrix that was acquired by Thermo Fisher, and even NASA. I worked with them and they adopted this technology to look how these cells in space differ from those that are on Earth. This is very, very valuable if, for example, we eventually want to colonize space. Applications were endless. I also worked with Syntex and Siva, again in Palo Alto, that were acquired by Roche and Hux, and we continued using this technology to develop diagnostic markers. And this time, I was a little bit more mindful, wanted to help the women diseases that were really underserved at that time to see if we could make a difference there. And then came the dot-com era in the late 90s, when you must remember, there was a dot-com bubble that began. There was a huge dearth of talent, just like today. And a few of us wondered if we could follow in the footsteps of the high-tech industry and use the massive amount of highly qualified talent that was existing in India and go cross-border, create a win-win situation and implement solutions for enterprises in the U.S. by powering them through the Indian talent that was available in India. So we formed this company called Ogene, and to me, that was the beginning of creating a development group in India. Now, back then, in India, we were using India as a services uh, backend kind of a place. But today, we see that many of the development groups, startups are in India. And so that was our development group in India, powering and creating solutions for the pharma, healthcare, biotech industry over here. So if you see, cut it short, there is a pattern here. I love working at the intersection of healthcare innovation that is powered by technology and scale through the use of US-India collaboration. A win-win-win, I feel. Well, that's pretty impressive and that's true passion. However, it seems like you didn't stop there. You took that passion to a much higher level by being an entrepreneur and a venture partner. So based on your experience as an entrepreneur and your current role as a venture partner of Elevate Capital, what are VC firms looking for in startups today? And what, if anything, has changed over this past year? Yeah, so you know, you said it right. Like being a researcher and technologist at heart, I was bit by the bug of starting something new. Like my dad was also an entrepreneur. So the next natural step, and I see this happening again and again, is that progress towards working with startups, either advising them or helping them find investors or investing in them, right? So with that goal in mind, I, along with a few others, founded Falcon X and also... Um, these were charter members from Thai that uh, worked with me and actually were on my board. And we worked towards incubating, accelerating, and funding startups over there. Again, parallel to this, we also, with few other charter members from Thai, we brought to life Startup Bridge India. The goal here was to connect the startups of India to the enterprises of US. Mind you, this was not an in investor role. It was more like a customer role that we were playing, right? Helping them find customers. And we replicated this model at USISPF, which I was there too, with John Chambers, who's a strong advocate for startups, to kind of cater to the series B and beyond startups. And also, again, this model was so powerful that we replicated it with IIT startups to cater to early stage startups with IIT founders. So similar to my healthcare background, where we had a platform that worked and we replicated it across many applications, here we found a platform that was really powerful, was useful and very valuable to startups, and we replicated it across various organizations. 
So I was actually working with entrepreneurs in all stages of their life cycle, but I have a soft corner for healthcare startups and hence my work with Elevate VC, which supports uh, not only healthcare, 25% of their portfolio funds are earmarked for healthcare startups, but it also supports women and minority founded startups. So that's one of the reasons why I like working with Elevate VC because they're thesis was similar to what my passion was, right? On the second question that you had on trends in investing, I mean, other than generically saying that, well, trends are broad, like in AIML is very trendy right now. You see a lot of startups there, blockchain, cloud, future of work, fintech, and of course, health tech. All of that are areas where people want to invest money in, security too. I can't speak too much about all those other areas, though I'm familiar with them, but I'd like to speak a little bit about the investment trends in healthcare because that's what I focus on. To me, uh, in healthcare, um, it's really broken and the pandemic brought that to light, right? And what I feel that the future of care is not going to be just convenient, like, you know, make it easy for people to get care, and it will not just be virtual first, but it will be designed differently. And it will be designed around the patient or the customer, putting their needs first. Today, the patient is not in the center of care. That's what needs to happen. And we are seeing a lot of that transitioning already happening. And we are seeing in terms of interoperability, where all of the patient data is now getting unified. We are getting deeper insights in all of the data, the data collected by the clinicians, the data collected by the hospitals, the data collected by the patient themselves. All that data is merging together and giving you deeper insights via machine learning and artificial intelligence. And therefore, a holistic approach is being brought to healthcare with more telemedicine, more telehealth, and more personalized medicine being seen here. In the pharma side, we're also seeing a move towards predictive and prescriptive analytics, and we're seeing more use of AI in drug discovery. We're seeing the use of blockchain to improve supply chains. We know that that broke down tremendously during the pandemic, and that really blockchain will come to the rescue and will actually help us in the future to not ha have uh, the breakdown happen. It's also making clinical trials that cost a lot of time, a lot of money. And by adopting technology and transforming clinical trials and making them more efficient, pharma will be able to save a lot of money and bring the drugs to market faster. We're also seeing life science diagnostic therapeutics adopting and enabling tech infusion to bring in lower costs, deeper insights, and we are seeing telehealth being adopted like we saw, you know, during the pandemic, suddenly everybody could not go to the doctor, right? The doctor had to come to them. We saw that happening more and more. So in short, the pandemic actually accelerated technology adoption across verticals, especially in healthcare. And I, for one, am really super excited about that. And, uh, you know, you also see that in the stock prices and the valuations of the enterprises and startups in technology doing really well through the pandemic. Similarly to health tech companies doing really, really well. A lot of money has come into it and these companies are doing really well. And I hope they continue to do well in the future. And I'm I'm pretty sure they will. I mean, I have several clients, you know, in, in health tech that have been doing well, really well over the past year and the valuations are, you know, just uh, through the sky. So thanks for sharing all that. 
I'm now going to divulge a little bit more uh, from the entrepreneurship to collaboration. So I, as you know, Eisner Amper is an accounting and a business advisory firm. So my question is, given your multifaceted background, how did you leverage business advisors along your journey to help you achieve your goals? You know, that's a good question because I have to say, when you're in a large enterprise, people always think about working with accounting firms and business advisors. In my case, when I was at Roche or Hoxt or CSBio or NASA, that was not the decision that I was making. But I, however, I know that there were, um, you know, the, these firms were being used, the accounting firms, the business advisory firms were being used, McKinsey's and Dyson Apples of the world were being used by these companies to make decisions. However, so smaller companies and the startups, which is where I was working in the latter half, we don't immediately think of such firms. And I know now that that is wrong. For me, uh, personally, whenever I had a question in these areas, uh, either in business process or in, in uh, accounting, my brother, who was a consultant at McKinsey, was always there for me. So I would always tap into his brain, which is kind of like the cheating thing, right? But I would say that startups should increasingly think about hiring accounting and consulting firms. It pays off, right? Even if they're strapped for cash, there are alternate ways they can work with accounting and business advisor firms equity being one. Company formation is a good case study for employing them. For example, when I formed companies, Ogene and then later Falcon X, having someone other than the founders would have helped because it always helps everyone see a clearer picture without having either emotions cloud it or a third party that always brings in an unbiased opinion. That can often save relationships, especially if you're starting a company with a few friends and you don't want to burn bridges or get the short end of the stick, right? So a company like Isar Abner can come in and list the agreed strategic goals of the business. They can brainstorm and list potential challenging decision points. And they can agree, uh, they can help the founders agree on simple protocols for addressing the issues identified. Business advisors do that. They advise you on how to structure and run your business. And not only for large enterprises, but also for startups. So though I didn't personally use that much of this kind of a service, I think it's a great service. And I'm so happy that you are doing that. And I believe you're working more and more with startups. So that's a really good trend. I have to completely agree with you, Dipti, on that. I mean, so many times when I go on panels, I say that, you know, entrepreneurs should focus on what they are good at, right? Building products, selling them. For everything else, there is help out there and they should get it, right? So that uh, has always been my man mantra to everyone that you know I have been uh, able to talk to. With, with your passion for innovation and entrepreneurship and having been at the forefront of technology, innovation and science, uh, tell me what are you most excited about as you look ahead? Now, as I look ahead, once again, my three passions come back to me on the forefront. We still have a lot to tackle in healthcare. There are big problems remaining to be solved there. Technology will continue to be the enabler and startups will rule as their nimbleness and agility will help them survive. Again, I feel that there is still a lot that can be done in the US-India corridor. So with that in mind, I have to share that this just happened to me last week. I just made a big decision to join a pre-IPO healthcare startup that is using technology 
to solve healthcare problems and is thinking of going global, possibly India in the future to make an even larger impact. So super excited of this upcoming journey. And hey, I'll be neighbors with you. I'll be in San Francisco. Congratulations. It seems like you have gone a full circle and are back to where it all started, healthcare. At Eyes the Ramper, uh, we believe that conversations are at the root of entrepreneurship. As my last question for the day, can you think of one conversation in particular that's had a lasting impact on you? And would you be willing to share that with our listeners? You know, you're right. Conversations are key. And if I had to think just one conversation comes up in my mind, this is one that I had with my dad uh, almost like, uh, you know, 30 plus years ago, and that still guides me. So before I left for the US, I remember telling my dad, mm, you know what, I'm going to come back to India after my studies. But you know, he was much older and wiser than me. And he said, I know that you will not come back. But whatever you do, do not forget your country. Do something for it. All these years later, every time I'm doing something, I always keep that in mind and say, how can I plug India in what I'm doing? How can I make it a win-win for US and India? As a result, I've had the opportunity to work with some amazing organizations like TAI, the Indus Entrepreneur. Amar, I know you're part of that too. IIT, Indian Institute of Technology. I always feel that they are the Stanford and Harvard of India and even US-India Strategic Partnership Forum. And today I'm on the board of both Thai and IIT and I work closely with the USISPF board in helping the Indian entrepreneurs grow and scale in the US. That's so powerful, Dipti. And believe me, everyone at Thai and all the other organizations that you work for really appreciates it. Uh, it your contributions are invaluable and everything's really appreciated. Dipti, Thank you for taking time to have a conversation with me today. And thanks to our listeners for tuning into Tech Talk. Subscribe to Eyes the Ramper podcast to listen to more Tech Talk episodes. Join us for our next podcast episode or visit eyesdramper.com for more tech news you can use.